So obviously, one of the cool, coolest things that you can do with a skill set like the one you have and that I have, mm -hmm. which is to be able to take someone deeper than the sort of standard everyday state of consciousness is that you get to experience some interesting things. And one of those things that we've been telling people, we've been dangling as a carrot in front of people, is this idea of hypno-psychedelics mm -hmm. and exploring psychedelic phenomena um, without actual psychedelic substances, because even though that might be fun, we're not going to do that in our classes. <laughs> and not yet, anyway. Not yet, anyway. Anyway, I have, I have with me Melissa Tears here, and... Uh, I just wanted you guys to hear her stories about her. She just has stories about psychedelics. <laughs> I want to I want to talk about altered states of consciousness. I yeah. want to talk about what those experiences are like, how we use them therapeutically or if you're not a therapist, if you're, you know, a coach, then in in ways that really expand you know, human human consciousness to help us become more of who we really are. So I, I actually said this, admitted this in a recent IG live and people were so like tickled that I had never tried psychedelics and people were like, really? Oh my God, I always wondered. So let me just start by saying I have never taken any mind altering. Well, that's not that's true. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I have never done like anything fun like magic mushrooms or ayahuasca, like that kind of psychedelics. I've never done. I've, tried more commonplace drugs, but, um, I always felt like whatever, I've always been intrigued, but, you know, having been in and out of trance since I was very young, for those of you who don't know, my father is also a hypnotherapist. And then I studied with Melissa to become a, you know, to really get trained in hypnosis, having been in and out of trance states, you know, since I was young on purpose, I feel like I probably have a sense of what it's like. Anyway, that's me. And I want to hear Melissa's stories. Can you take us back to your first dalliances with psychedelics? Oh, so we're, we're doing that. I okay. don't know that. I okay. won't. So, uh, you know, I mean, I was always into altered states of consciousness. You know, if, if I look back, you know, even... <laughs> Even at age three and four, I used to, you know, spin until I got so dizzy, you know, that I could lay down and look at the sky. And you it know, would like, spin. Right? So, you know, then at six, I got in trouble because I was doing this weird hyperventilation thing so that I could get very close to passing out and um, and experience that state of mind. Were and, the grown-ups around you very concerned? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> A little bit. They, like, they this just, girl is crazy. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think about what that, what people would do with that today. And, of course, they would have taken me to a psychiatrist. They would have thought, is she on the spectrum? Or what, what the fuck is going on here? Probably but, medicated you. Yes, of course. I mean, for me, it was all about the, you know, the interesting states of mind, right? So, I mean, I think I did my first psychedelic when I was about 13. Um, I was that kind of kid. <laughs> and, you know, it, I mean, on many levels, I, I think about what really drew me to this field specifically, and I can kind of trace it back to one of the more transformative psychedelic uh, experiences I had when I was about, I want to say about 18, and I was in Central Park. 
and I always describe this, and if you're looking at me as you are, right, you'll see that my, my fingers do this because it's so embodied, this experience, that... Well, describe what your fingers are doing so, so my people fingers, can't see like, you. It's like I'm holding a blade of grass because that's what was happening in the moment where I had this kind like with of the epiphany. thumb and the index finger is touching, right. like forming a circle, <laughs> like she's holding this blade of glass. Like grass, grass. grass. So as as soon as, in other words, as soon as I start remembering this, my body goes back into this interesting mode, and mm. it just happens naturally. And it was a moment where the best way I can describe it is, I saw kind of the interconnectedness. I was looking at this piece of um, grass and saw it almost looked like there was a net that was attached to it and to me and to the trees and the sky. And it just, all I can say is in that moment, I got it. I understood everything. I understood my place in the universe, how it all came together. And I just felt like as someone who up until then had, has been pretty obsessed with searching, you know, for, for what's real, what's not real, what, you know, what is it all about? Um, I just felt like I got it. And then it was gone. <laughs> and I spent the next whatever, how many years trying to get that moment back. What did I know? Except that we were all connected. Right? Well, when you say, I got it, I, you know, I understood my place. Like, what is it? Like, what is it well, that you got? Right. So as I'm saying, I understood everything in that moment. Mm. It just all made sense. Mm. And then it was gone. And I couldn't articulate what it was I got. What it was But all I you know is that you got something. I about, got that was everything. Yes, I got everything. And so then I've just I just spent, you know, many, many years trying to to get that back. Do you think and that you're... it, it kind of started me on the path of trying to understand, you know, what what the brain is capable of, what the, the malleability of mind and and perception. And if I can have an experience like that, that you know, mystics describe and um, you know, then, then what, what was really going on under the hood? So I, I can honestly say that that led me down this path that eventually led me to the Monroe Institute. How do we synchronize our brains? How do we alter brainwave states? How do I get that back without the drugs? Because after a while, understanding that it didn't matter what kind of psychedelic drug I was trying, I was chasing this state and I wasn't getting it. Mm -hmm. And so I started to explore other ways of altering my consciousness. And hypnosis just happened to be one other way. I took like a three-day class and was hooked and took another three-day class and another three-day class and another three-day class, and, you know, and, and just kept going, you know. Um, and for me, so, so, I mean, those were pivotal. Those were transformational moments. Right. And with psychedelics, with altered states of consciousness, then cut to, you know, how many years later? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I have a question. Do you okay. think you would have gone a different path? You'd have turned out a different kind of person if you didn't have that moment when you were 18 in Central Park of holding that blade of grass? Absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely. Like you if you wouldn't have spent the 
you know, following years trying to get that back. Well, not just trying to get that back, but trying to understand, mm. right? Diving a little deeper mm. into the nature of consciousness. I started going to these uh, noetic science conventions. I started, you know, being able to, you know, have conversations with people that I thought would know. You know, um, I had no problem going to these weird conferences and seeking out, you know, the, the person who was doing the lecture and, you know, and picking their brain. You know, I'm very good at getting people to talk to me. So you still do that. <laughs> so, you know, from the quantum physicists to the neuroscientists to the, you know, I mean, I was just um, searching. Without that, I mean, I was a rock and roll musician, you know. Um, I don't know uh, how my life would have, I mean, maybe I would have stumbled, you know, because I, I was still always obsessed with altered states. But so... So anyway, so once I got pregnant, I mean, all, you know, my life transformed and I can say that I, I hadn't done any kind of drug, psychedelic drug for 25 years or something. While you're raising your child. Yeah. And, you know, or, you know, about that, I would say 23 years. And what I started to do was to create uh, I was trying to model the psychedelic and mystical experience so that I could pick it apart and then play with the pieces and put it together and share it, right? And just do really trippy, cool trances. And so I, so I kind of went on a, a, a modeling adventure, right? I would interview people and I would look for the common steps to their transformational trip. We're not just talking about like, ooh, look at the colors. We're talking about what they, they, they call in psychedelic research, a, a feeling of oneness or oceanic boundlessness. That is one of the key features in, in all the psychedelic research that makes it transformational for people. Where someone could be a drug addict for 40 years they do one psychedelic assisted therapy session and then they're not an addict anymore. It is, you know, when you really start to pick that apart and you really start to look at what the hell is happening under the hood, there's some common things. So, you know, I started to, to, to really look at that and then create ways of achieving those results, achieving those states or at least attempting to instigate those states. And it's very simple if someone has already had a previous experience, be it mystical, a moment of deep reflection and meditation, or someone who had, you know, um, some, some other aha transformational moment, then revivification and hypnosis, that's easy. In five minutes, I can get them right back there. But I wanted to be able to create something for someone who has never had anything close to that psychedelic transformational experience. And so that's why uh, I started to do hypnopsychedelics. It was really like a lab for, for a long time, those classes. I was just, you know, throwing ideas out there and, and getting feedback and gathering data, basically. Hold on. <clears throat> that I, I want to come back to this about like how how you teach, how do you, how you model this and teach this um, and hear more about it. But first I want to ask what, tell, tell us what 
what is known about the neuroscience of when of psychedelic phenomena like what happens in the brain when someone takes psychedelics well i mean there's still a lot of you know um arguments about that we know that many psychedelics uh, bind to certain uh, like serotonin receptors but really think about it like this for many of them what is happening is the normal uh, habituated neural firings the habituated patterns in people's brains gets shaken up and what happens in that loosening up of those boundaries right, where you start to think in ways that you never have because the brain is cross-wiring. That's why people can, you know, um, see music, taste. It's like synesthesia, you know, it's, it's the sensory systems are overlapping. What also seems to happen is the default mode network in the brain, which is basically the, the self-referential, the part of you that you think is you and daydreams and thinks about yourself and what others are thinking about you, all of that gets a lot less action. Mm. And so, you know, people would say that that is kind of the, the seat of the ego and some people would argue that, but whatever. Um, so you, you start to lose that, right? That sense of self. And what happens is, you know, they, they, they did this research ages ago on deep, deep meditators and also like, um, whirling dervishes, you know, and what they found was there's a part of the brain that um, you're when you're born, it's not quite online. Right. And it's that part of the brain that says, I am separate from you. Mm -hmm. Like when your baby was a real baby, you know, like they didn't have this sense of this is not me. Right. Your body is not my body. It's all one. It merges. Right. And then that slowly comes online. Mm -hmm. Right. So that area in the brain doesn't get a lot of activity. So when people say we're all one, <laughs> you could look at the brain and think, yeah, of course they're going to say that because the part of the brain that mm. tells us we are separate isn't getting as much activity. Now, there's different types of psychedelic. And the, the one that I shared, you know, the experience I shared with you not long ago about um, me trying uh, DMT that's because in all of the modeling I was doing, I was coming across this one specific psychedelic experience, and that's one I hadn't tried. But it was so intriguing that when I had the opportunity to do it with a psychiatrist, I fucking just jumped on it. And it was, you know, it's really hard to describe, <laughs> except to say, you know, it was unlike anything else I'd ever experienced. And... I have yet to even codify that, um, let alone attempt to model it enough to share it. I find that if I pre-frame a session by sharing some of what that was like, um, the part that was the common denominator for most people that I was interviewing that had that kind of almost epiphany-like mm -hmm. experience, if I share that prior to the trance, then obviously the suggestive nature of trance means I'm leading people to have more of that experience. Like you're priming them to look right. for, yeah. But I really like, you know, I like it clean. Yeah. I want someone to get what they need to get and not what I think they should get. Right. And that's just always my motto with trance, you right. know? Like I need to clear my own filters as much as possible. But because I'm an experimenter, I wanted to see what would happen if I primed them with that experience. So, you know, hypnopsychedelics is 
I mean, there is this wave, obviously, whoever's listening knows that there is a, a whole new flow of psychedelic research because um, a lot of it is now being studied again. You know, it went through a God knows how many years where it was illegal to even study it, even though before pulling the plug on a lot of research, it was showing amazing results for depression, for, you know, people that that are having, you know, um, that have terminal illness and anxiety around dying, that this was the best thing that they had ever come up with to help these people. And then the plug was pulled on, and don't get me started on all that shit. But now that there's this new wave coming, I mean, there's, it's already being legalized to some degree. There's ketamine like clinics in, in New York city. You could just go and have a trip. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's kind (laughs) of crazy. (laughs) That's what I'm doing next time I go to New York. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, so, so really, it's not when people hear hypnopsychedelics, and, and I know because I, I have a lot of feedback, you know, I've been doing my little like uh, hypnopsychedelic Sundays for quite a few years now, you know, where it's just a trip. It's like everyone gets together and I'm combining breath work and all of these other things to try and nudge um, the default mode network out of the way. So that people have that experience of oneness, Mm. of interconnectedness, of being bigger and greater than they think they are, right? In their small, little, conscious, ego-driven mind. And so it's not like you're going to see, oh, fractals and geometric shapes and it's this trippy, trippy shit. No, it's not that. I'm going for the transformational piece. Which is the part that is relevant for coaching. Right. Right. Because not to just so you have a fun trip. Yeah. Right. So what I then do is, you know, once I've established uh, how, how this person can kind of very quickly expand out into this much bigger, broader perspective where all of their issues, all of their problems are tiny. Once you expand out into, you know, into this universal field, everything seems so much smaller and figure outable. Mm-hmm. Right. But even just shaking up the normal way that people approach their problem solving or perceive their problem in general, just shaking that up is sometimes enough for people to come up with a very different perspective and then creative ideas on how to solve it. And once again, I'm not giving those those answers. I'm just as I always do, providing the space for them to access it. And, and, you know, it's quite extraordinary because we do get trapped in our habituated perceptual positions. And whether that is the perceptual position we take on life, on our relationships, on our problems, you know, we, some people can think, you know, um, we're all love and very, you know, charitable and worldly until it comes to their family. And then until all of someone sudden, cuts them off in traffic. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. So a lot of times when people have had one of these transformational experiences, right, this is the problem with a lot of the uh, therapeutic psychedelic stuff going on right now. They're not trained in the stuff that we're trained in. So the practitioners really don't have very good skills in how to help people to integrate this into their life rather than keep this over here in this little compartmentalized, wow, I had this amazing experience and then go back to arguing with people in traffic, right? So it's how do we 
tether? How do we link? How do we give people access to that expansive state, to that knowing that you have when you are in that, um, I don't know, interconnected, broader perspective, however you want to phrase it? And, and then how do you do life when you keep that awareness? Yeah. Right. That's the goal. It's it's you know, it's the Zen of doing dishes. You know, it's like, right. how do I bring, you know, like I, instead of like going off to a silent retreat for a week and then coming back to New York City and having the chaos of my normal life. How do you allow that knowing that ability to transcend contexts yeah. and to be a part of who you are? Yeah. And so that's kind of the goal of hypnopsychedelics, you know. Um, uh, I'm still always expanding it, still always playing with it. I don't think I'll ever get it done. So the important part, you're going to teach in the best fucking coaching course? <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand, Simone is like, oh, oh, and I love, oh, let's put this in. Oh, oh, no, we have to add this. Oh, we have to add this. So she's really like cherry picking all the cool shit and we're really bringing You're it. welcome. <laughs> no. And it's going to be fucking kick ass. Melissa is just like, her whole life is she just nerds out on things she finds fascinating. And I'm like, okay, okay, let's bring this to our course, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> and then this is how we're going to tell people how, why, you know, why this is going to be awesome for them. So, so yeah, I mean, I mean, think of really what Melissa was alluding to, you know, the kinds of experiences that people have with psychedelics, with mind altering, you know, um, experiences with trance, um, those otherworldly, right? What people experience as extraordinary, otherworldly, almost mysterious states of being where everything seems to make sense and you're expanded out and you, you know, just have a different connection with yourself and the world and everyone around you. Like that is only so useful when it remains something separate from your everyday life where you're trying to get shit done and trying to not murder your family and you're trying to, you know, juggle your responsibilities and, Wait, you know, be you just said it's only useful when it's separate. I think you meant, Oh, to I say meant the opposite. <laughs> I mean, it's only, it's only so, it only has so much usefulness when it's separate, right. Right. right from your day-to-day -day life. And I think that's, I see so many of my clients struggle with this too. Like they, on the one hand, they have this, have this expanded awareness like they know like they've seen the they've experienced the true nature of reality and then the oneness of all beings but then when it comes time to market and make an offer or you know right, tell someone how much their thing costs it's like Ugh, right they they clam up and it's like two different circuits running right right and so what was so cool to me about melissa's work with bringing psychedelics well hypnopsychedelics to coaching, not the actual substances, is that <laughs> these don't remain compartmentalized anymore, is that you really get to fuse that bigger consciousness with the very things that you want to do in order to create your goals, well, in order just, to live a bigger this, life. It becomes this massive resource state yeah. that you can use to pretty much collapse almost every problem. It just has to you have to do the work of conditioning it in, yeah. right? So, so in the class, we teach how to, once we activate the neural network of the actual problem, to then, once it's activated, go into these expanded states 
and then from there revisit the problem and you know and and repetition 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 until these things become um an entirely different uh perceptual position on the thing that you thought was your limitation the thing that used to trigger you now becomes the very thing that makes you remember that you are more than you think. To me, nothing else comes close to being this effective at like how Melissa describes it as, you know, shaking loose the ex- existing perceptual positions. And honestly, with coaching, what you can do within existing the sort of this existing st- stiffness of um, existing perceptual positions is so limited. And what can you do when you can bend your own mental filters? Yeah. What can you do when you can kind of collapse your existing beliefs, assumptions, you know, habitual patterns, biases that you use constantly to think about yourself, to make decisions, to look at the world? What happens when you can all put it in a Vitamix, right? <laughs> not even a Vitamix. Sorry, that's, I said that. I'm like, that's a little crazy. You might not want to put it in a Vitamix. Just make it a little looser. Put in a Vitamix. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, it depends on what you want to do, right? <laughs> How useful is that to bring to as a skill set to bring to your own growth, to your own, um, you know, actualization as a person? And how incredible is it to be able to bring that skill set to your work with clients? I think probably for the most part. Most clients aren't going to be like, okay, please put me in a deep trance so I can, it's, that's not going to happen. Well, it might. If you say, hey, let's do this really cool thing. Let me show you something fascinating about your mind. You can totally do that in the context of coaching, right? Because people love it. They're they're just going to have this extraordinary thing. But the real trick Mm. is how do we, so first, let's look at two perceptual positions the one of the client and the one of the coach. So as a coach, being able to tap into that um, more expanded uh, perceptual position, you can coach from there. Oh, yeah. And that does amazing things Mm. to the the space between you, right? The dynamic. You start to really nudge not just their brain, their heart. And yes, I know this sounds woo-woo, but there's science behind this resonance, this kind of sync, you know, this um, uh, synchronization of, you know, brainwave states, heart rate variability, all of this stuff. So there is the expanded nature that the coach brings to the table, which really allows for problem solving that is outside the normal boxes where people would look for like the more traditional answers or even the coaching questions. It's, it's expanding out to help guide your client there. So then there's a way from that state of utilizing language, your body, you know, inductive language, deductive language of titrating consciousness in such a way that has those effects, right? Just using certain language patterns can just knock the dominant hemisphere, the language centers offline for just a moment to do the same thing, shake up 
the neurons, shake up the, you know, the, the habit patterns. And so we're going to focus a lot on how to use the language of the unconscious mind, because I think that is a piece that a lot of traditional coaching has 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 just missed out on because they don't come from coaching always from the hypnosis side, right? So that's where, you know, um, that's my filtering system. Okay. So where do they get to learn all this cool stuff? Here she goes. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to learn it at in our first ever um, our program that we have co-created called the we called it the best fucking coaching course because we, we couldn't figure out what else to call it. We're like, it's the best thing. What are we going to call it? And so, well, what if we just, we got lazy and just started to, decided to call it the best fucking coaching course. Um, ever created. Ever created. <laughs> and um, it's an intensive three-month certification course. And we are going to begin on January 7th. And it runs until the end of March. And all of this is that we just talked about today, all this cool shit is just a fraction of yeah. the amazing shit you're going to learn to know how to do amazing things with the human brain, the human consciousness, and become the most extraordinary kind of coach you can be. There's nothing else like, like it out there. So I am mega excited. Yeah, and not only, so our, our goal here is to, you know, is to make it the best change worker you can ever be and at the same time to help you to build your business and to learn how to authentically with integrity create a business that is a reflection of you and that's where Simone really shines how do we turn this into a career yeah from but you you make those career decisions you make those business decisions from you know, I see it almost like as like this line, right? This line that connects your spirit, your brain, your heart, your gut, so that everything that you do for your business is congruent with your truth and who you really are and the gifts that you're here on earth to share at every level. And to me, that, so that's why to me, business is never just business, right? right. Business is about your own consciousness and how you use it. And so this way, all of this business stuff at every stage is going to be like, we're going to be teaching these ideas in conjunction with here's the coaching concept. Here is the business concept. Here's the consciousness thing. And here's the marketing thing, right? Because it's all connected. Right. And, to you know, I don't know of another class that really holds your hand and helps you to you know, to get this up and running before you finish normally. And, and, you know, I've been training practitioners for 20 some odd years. I teach them the skill set and then they have to go figure it out. Then they have to go to you or they have to go to some, you know, then they have to learn marketing and business because that's not anything that I had ever taught them. So, And in most coaching courses, you're, you're, you're taught the skill set and then you kind of got to go figure it out on your own. How do I make it a Not career? with us. Not with us. We're going <laughs> to, it's all going to be in-house. So it'll be a fun trip. It's going to be a fun trip on multiple <laughs> levels. So it's, um, so we're beginning on January 7th. So you can sign up any day before that. And so come join us. We cannot wait to train you to become the best fucking coach 
That's right. We'll talk to you soon in the classrooms. <laughs>